Let's do it. Welcome back to the show with Jay. I got a very special episode with a special guest. Got my boy Tomasa Wilkins on. Tomasa, how you doing? I'm good. How are good. you, bud? I'm doing well. And uh, we're going to talk about... Um, so for those who don't know Tomasa, Tomasa is a... Is it stage... Stage four. Stage four cancer survivor. Um, so I'm going to... I have, I'm having him on to talk about um, his journey through that. And uh, I say we start from the beginning. Um, so how old were you when you... It was sophomore year, right? No, it was the, so... Junior. Our junior, it was right after junior year. So okay. summer going into senior year. It was, um, it was a big process, but it initially started... The way it started was super weird. Like, what happened was me and a couple guys went to a place called Wildwood Falls down in... Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's just a cliff jumping spot no, no, everyone no. goes to in the summer. And, um... I was feeling great, everything fine, and after jumping off the cliffs a few times, um, I felt like super lightheaded. Like on the way up, it was like a, I think like a mile or two walk back, mm. and we got to the top where everyone parked, and I almost like passed out. I just felt horrible. Like was it like a feeling that you've never had before? Like yeah, no, I, I went home and like instantly fell asleep, and I woke up with like a horrible headache, like just mm. pounding, and. Um, my mom and I, we were just like, ah, I don't know what's really, like, it's just a headache. Like, it could be a sinus thing. Like, I never really had any problems. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, one of those ones where you, like, hear your heartbeat almost. It was, like, oh, okay. super prominent. Like, you have headphones on. Yeah, and, yeah, it was yeah. horrible. And um, after that, we had to go on this little um, family reunion. And it was, like, three days. We had to go down to um, Walnut Creek. I don't know if you've ever been down there. Yeah, yeah. But, um... We went down for like two, three days, and I was like a ghost the whole time. Like, I looked like paler. I didn't have any energy. I was just kind of there because of the family. Like, I had to yeah. had to be there. And, um, no, when we got back, we drove back on Father's Day 2017. So, I think it was like the 19th or right, right around there in June. Okay. And um, waited in the ER for hours to be seen. And then um, got in, and at initially they thought it was a just a bad sinus infection mm. or we really had no idea what was going on and the crazy part was my mom like looked over to me and, and for so what happened was initially for about a week and a half before um before I had went to that jump every time I went to the bathroom like every time I went shit mm-hmm. right it was completely black okay and I had like me being a seventeen-year-old kid, I was like, "Okay, what did I eat?" Yeah. Like, well, I I didn't think anything was wrong. I was like, "Okay, this will just pass through me." And um, when I did that jump, it must have triggered something, or um, like the impact could have mm-hmm. caused something to happen more. But I was internally bleeding for like the last that like two weeks before, and had no idea. Oh wow! And ever, and that's why my stool was completely mm. black because it was it was full of blood. Oh wow! And um, so you went two weeks without knowing. Yeah, I had no idea, bleeding. and that initial impact is probably what, what caused my off. body to okay. feel like something from it because I was losing blood and felt great. Yeah. And um, so we told the doctors, and he's like, "Oh, okay." So he did a little test and found that there was blood in the stool like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the crazy one of the craziest parts is that the hemoglobin is the amount of like oxygen that's in mm-hmm. your blood. And a good solid hemoglobin for like an average adult is 13, right? Okay. And when they when they initially got me into the hospital, I was at like a 3.5 or oh, something. Wow. Like, yeah. I it was some of the doctors were astounded. They were like, well, "How do you? How are you even here?" Mm-hmm. Like, I just had no blood flow. It was it was tough. And um, instantly they got me hooked up to like put a bunch of IVs in. Got me on um, blood transfusions mm-hmm. just to get my levels up to like where they could even think about doing any sort of operation on me because they can't touch you when you're that low like mm-hmm. that. So drove me from our hospital right here in Grass Valley all the way to Sutter in Roseville or Rockland, wherever it is. And um, basically over the next like three, four days, I had like nine blood transfusions, like nine bags mm-hmm. of the... And they would go in, they would be over like four or five hour periods. Like it was, it was tough. I was just sitting there like just laying in a bed with IVs for Mm -hmm. like three days. And then 
the doctors are like, okay, we need to do a upper and lower like endoscopy and a colonoscopy. So it's where they put the tube down your throat and then mm-hmm. like total opposite. So they did both of them at the same time just wow. to be quicker. And um, no, they found, so that well, initially they thought it was an ulcer. Mm-hmm. So people get ulcers from all sorts of yeah. stress, anything. Mm-hmm. And um, when they said it was an ulcer, I was like, okay, we well, should be okay. They clamped it off with like this metal clamp and... Um, totally stopped the bleeding so I, I for the next few days i went to the bathroom everything was good i was like all right mm-hmm. let's let's get the ball rolling like i didn't want to be in the hospital and yeah. then um out of nowhere so they had to take a out of nowhere they um the doctor comes in i remember this so vividly i had like 10 family members over just visiting and we were all excited like i thought i was going to go home the next day and um the doctor comes in and she's like hey can everyone besides tomaso's mom and dad get out of the room and that initially, like, the vibe was like, oh, shit, like, what's, mm. what's she going to say? And uh, she showed us a picture of a normal stomach. And it looks like just like a cave, basically, like, a, like an oval, just totally smooth. And then she, whips, she pulls out this picture, and it's a picture of my stomach. And it's the same thing, but just filled with bumps. Like, the actual stomach hole itself was, like, half the size because of the yeah. mass inside of it. And that was like being 17. That was the initial like shock. I remember just, I remember me, my mom, and dad just bawling our eyes out in that mm-hmm. room, like having no idea what was gonna happen, and then having to wait for a biopsy over like the next three days. Like it was, it was incredible though to see over those three days of like total unknown, totally nothing, like up in the air. Like there's there's a tumor, a big mm-hmm. amount of mass in me, but it could be any form of cancer it could be benign you have no idea so it was very cool to see all my family come together like Mm -hmm. my dad and grandpa their relationship wasn't the best during this time and their relationship was totally rekindled and just like family members were a part of our lives again that weren't really and it was just kind of like all that love that I needed at that time and um over the next couple days the results came back in and it could have been either three things. It could have been sarcoma, lymphoma, or this super rare type of cancer that's usually only found in like people 50 and older, mm-hmm. and it's called GIST, G-I-S-T. And that stands for gastrointestinal stromal tumor. So mm-hmm. it's basically tumors that just grow inside of the stomach f- for whatever reason. Some are genetic, some are just from habits, well, whatever could happen, I have no idea. But, um. It ended up being that, the gist. And my all the doctors are so confused because no one young ever gets gist. It was like 20, 30 cases in the United States of people my age that have this form of cancer. And initially, they were like, okay, we've never dealt with this form of cancer because it was just in Roseville right in Sutter. I wasn't at any, like, specialist. I wasn't down in where I am right now. Yeah. And, um... Basically, they put me on this form of chemo, like, right away. And it was a pill chemo where, like, it was supposed to be this pill that would, 80 to 90% of the time, would shrink the tumor. Mm -hmm. And I took it for about two, three months, went through all the side effects, just tore my body apart. And it was was tough, but when we kept going back for more PT, like, PET scans, like, Mm -hmm. all that stuff to see how it's growing... It just kept growing. It, the Timo wasn't doing anything. It wasn't wasn't doing its job. So at that point, there we're like, okay, there's so much, and it's probably spread to other organs at this point. So we have to think about. We got to look into some sort of surgery. Like I don't, if none of the chemos are working, and this is such a rare form of cancer, there hasn't been like a big group of people studying it for years and years to get like these set in stone chemos that work or all these different forms of radiation or trials that they can be on like it's just starting in the past few years and um basically what happened was they put me on one more chemo to try i did two chemos neither of them touched it they were all pill chemo yeah it was this form it was like this family of chemos they were called but it was supposed to um if the first one didn't work the second one had like a 50 like it was Mm. like a they were pretty good for cancer like it was if you got this exact type of cancer, it was pretty well known that these would help it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what those doctors didn't know is that this form of cancer has a thing called deficiencies. So 
there's A, B, C, and D. And when you have the deficiency, that means you have a genetic mutation. And like one of your, like one of my genes, I was born somehow with the gene. And then at one point in my life, it started reproducing into the just cancer. Yeah. And I have the B one out of A, B, C. And luckily, B is one of the most slow growing ones. Like A is a little more all over the place. And then I think C and D are pretty like, they just kind of do whatever they want. Like mine has been so slow growing that I probably had it for my, for most of my life, to be honest, to get to the point where it spread to other mm-hmm. organs and stuff like that. Like I was playing sports my whole life yeah. with friggin' <laughs> hundreds of tumors inside of me that I had no mm-hmm. idea about. And um, let's see, after, so we went down to, we had to get the surgery done and we had, um, we did a, initial CT scan but it was only of the stomach like they didn't do a scan of the liver the lymph nodes the all the other organs around that area where it could have spread to mm-hmm. so we initially went to Stanford to see if they could do the surgery and the lady at Stanford basically made it seem like it was some easy thing that they had done and like I didn't really it didn't feel like she was being totally real with me it was just like a vibe I got I guess yeah and my grandma actually on my dad's side um went to this conference like in san diego or la one of those areas and it was um a group of people that were all researching this type of cancer like the four deficiencies it wasn't just the gist they were all doing the um the genetic mutated like version of it Mm. and that was such a small group of people at the time where it was like oh my gosh like that's that was perfect so we went down and met with this whole team of oncologists that were working with like 20 to 30 or however many people at the time were in their practice of people that have the same A, B, C, and D deficiency mm-hmm. and had the talk with the surgeon and he was super real. He was like, told me kind of everything he had to do. Like, it's not going to be anything easy. You're going to have to, it's like, after we do the surgery, it's all up to you, like mm-hmm. the recovery. So... We ended up going with him, and then, so the initial diagnosis was on June 24th, and then went through all the chemos, and then three months later, on September 29th, was when I went in for the surgery, and initially, when I had the surgery, the doctors thought it was going to be like six to eight hours. They were like, okay, this is going to be, we're going to try to remove like 80 to 85% of your stomach, because Mm -hmm. your stomach can grow back over time like when people get that gastric bypass mm-hmm. and then in five ten years are are like fat again so yeah. it, it's because the they don't get the total gastrectomy they just get it to where it's like the size of an apple okay. and then that stuff just grows back over time so that's what they assumed they were going to do for me and then any other cancer they would try to get rid of like they just assumed it had gone to the lymph nodes basically mm. and um so they get in there and there's way more cancer than they had even thought like I ended up being in surgery for like 11 and a half hours and they removed my whole entire stomach Mm -hmm. so I had a total gastrectomy and then they made my small intestine which is like small intestines weird like if you took it out of the human body and like expanded it it's like 10 I don't even know how long it is Mm -hmm. but in the body it's just binded up so they took the top of it and connected it to my esophagus so anytime I like for eating now it's the it's the craziest thing like ever i'll get back i'll get back into more i'll go on with eating in a mm-hmm. minute but um so they took out my whole entire stomach they removed my gallbladder my spleen and my appendix all at the same time um took out like i think it was like 50 or 60 different lymph nodes that were infested mm-hmm. and then um so your liver you can remove like portion like you can remove like 30% of the liver Mm. and then the liver can like rejuvenate itself over time like it'll grow in your body like when you so they ended up like trimming off all the cancer that was around the liver and saved as much as they could um and they took all other cancer away like no there's no cancer in my body except for what was left in the liver so it had spread to say you take like a salt and pepper shaker mm. and just cracked it like one time over my liver it's kind of sporadic like 10 or 15 little super tiny like centimeter big dots just inside and the liver is like the biggest organ inside of you so it's mm. it's spread across like so 
for the mass of my liver, they're very, very small that's left in there. But um, no, from there it was, after the surgery, it was basically up to me and my family, like all around me, like um, around hour nine, I think it was, one of my left lung almost collapsed. So I ended up having to have like these two tubes, like mm-hmm. in between my ribs that were like super long and they would just basically kept me alive during the surgery. Mm-hmm. And I had all those in and like a catheter in for like, I had an epidural on my back. Like I just had a bunch of, it was like a crazy, bunch of stuff, crazy thing. And initially the doctors were like, okay, so after something like this, you're probably going to be in the hospital recovering for like three to four weeks, they thought. Mm-hmm. And I left in nine days. Okay. I was like, I don't know. It was something about I had my whole family around me and I felt so motivated at the time to not be in the position I was. Like it was so surreal. Like every like I was in so much pain and on so many different medications mm-hmm. that I just like it was like that mindset of like you just have to keep going. Like I didn't it was I had to learn how to walk again, learn how to basically eat and drink like so for your recovery did you feel like your feelings when you knew that okay the surgery's done now i gotta now it's the recovery time what were the feelings like were you motivated or were you still angry or i mean i think the anger the feeling of anger came i think after like um like there was a point because it's been almost three years now so Mm. there was a point um after everything like when I had recovered and I think I had just graduated and it was like that feeling of okay I'm still being seen like every few months by doctors but I had recovered and I'm like what's what's that move next like I had went through so much and then I was in this spot where I felt kind of stuck like the initial emotion I feel like at that time was it was weird it was like I had to do it for my family. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about me anymore. It was like, because I'm the oldest of four kids. So I have 17, 16, and then a five-year-old little little um, brothers and sisters. And Ayana, my baby sister, was only two when all this was happening. Mm-hmm. So she, it was just crazy having, I felt like I had those three to do this for. Like, mm-hmm. if it's it's almost it's like messed up in a way but like i'm so glad almost that out of all the people in my family this could have happened to Mm -hmm. that it happened to me because i felt that initial like thing on my shoulder so like okay you can beat this for your whole family too and for your i mean for yourself mainly but like if i can show them like that like big brother t's got this or Mm -hmm. or i'm like if i i don't even know how i would i don't know if i would have been able to watch one of my little brothers or sisters Mm -hmm. go through half of what i went through so it's like it's hard to put in perspective like even being put in their shoes because i don't know that feeling Mm -hmm. i just know the feeling of like having to fight and feeling just the love and support around me it was i think it was everything i needed to keep going like I had my grandma visit me my both grand both grandparents cousins uncles like people were just coming down to San Diego Mm -hmm. like making this long trip to see if I see how I was recovering and I was initially messed up for like the first day I recovered because of all the meds and coming down from everything and then it got to the point where the doctors were all like okay you got to try to stand up and I have um I have all the videos of I actually got to get I got to get those videos back. I I broke my when I told you I broke my phone. Oh yeah. I lost like all my photos. And, oh no. So I got to somehow talk to like Sprint or mm. iCloud or get those photos, but I have all the videos that family took of me like walking for the first time or getting up out of bed and really just pushing myself and it was it's crazy like um reminiscing on all of it or telling the story like I'm I'm getting okay at telling the story but Mm. it's still new like um like I enjoy talking about it so much and like doing Mm. these types of things with people but it still brings up like certain emotions or it still kind of chokes me up certain Mm. topics talking about I feel like that'll always happen regardless how comfortable I get telling it Mm -hmm. but um no for like your question initial like feelings I guess was I don't know I feel like I tapped into like 
a different part of my mind almost like I, I it was like that survival mode like I was I knew that I could have easily died during the surgery mm-hmm. like the fact that like a team of like 10 or 12 doctors could do this surgery over like a le- like a whole entire day and one wrong snip cut mm-hmm. missed thing I'm dead I'm mm-hmm. done like it's crazy even think about it. like I was just laying on a table all my organs yeah. next to me like mm-hmm. It's stuff that you just have to, unless we talk about it, like it'll just kind of, it'll just have happened. I have mm-hmm. to do what we're doing right now. Yeah. And um, no, I'd say I went into like total survival mode, like I'm saying, like I didn't really care about anything else, I feel like, over those nine days than getting out of the hospital or getting back home, getting back to normal life. And it was big having the support of my friends and family like everyone from school the football team mm-hmm. when you guys sent those mm-hmm. um those cards and everything like feeling like you're loved by a bunch of other people like that's the that's the biggest thing like anyone going through anything basically mm-hmm. like it could be anything because it's all about perspective like you could be going through the worst thing in the world to you and then there's someone out there fighting a million times harder on the break of death like you mm-hmm. you have to that's how I try to stay thankful. Like even though through everything I've gone through, like I know there's some kid out there my age or someone even younger battling so much harder or mm-hmm. like just just fighting till the end. And um shit, where were we before? We were talking about first steps, I think, right? Oh yeah, no, just like the way I was feeling. Oh, but um yeah. No, I remember basically the first day I had to get up was like I think what happened was the fir- I slept that rest of the day off the meds and then the first day I just relaxed and then that next day it was like day three technically was when they got me up and started walking and it was insane it was cause I had um I had like a bunch of things connected to me like anytime I had I wanted to move out of the bed I had to have like a team of like four nurses come mm-hmm. in and like make sure everything was perfect to where like three people had to be holding things while I could even try to walk. How long did it take to for you to do something without being connected to it? I think it was around day five or six was when yeah. I took my first step um, without any, like without um, a walker with me. Mm-hmm. It was just me. Okay. And no, it was cool. I remember we would just we would watch movies or we would do whatever and certain times of the day would pop up and me and my dad and my grandpa were like, all right, let's try to do a lap. And mm-hmm. it was just this big room we're in in the top of UC San Diego. And I remember doing one lap one day and then the next day doing two laps and slowly progressing. And then after about a week was when they let me have like ice chips. Like they, mm-hmm. I was on like bags of fluid, so I couldn't, I didn't drink or eat, like nothing touched me for like seven days. And... I remember I had ice chips and they put me on this like big scanner where I would stand up and it was like this big black box like right in front of me Mm -hmm. and I would take a sip of the water for the first time and you would watch it on like this x-ray live like go down and like act like to see because when they do a surgery like that there's a good chance that things might not connect or Mm -hmm. anything or the the liquid could go somewhere else besides the small intestine and everything was perfect and from there, it was like, okay, I got to keep walking. So over, I think, the next two, three days, around, like, day nine or ten was when I kind of told all the doctors and ever the team came in. And it was like, I feel strong enough to where I think I can fly home. Like, my family's mm-hmm. going to drive. I'm going to fly and start the recovery process back at home. And, yeah, that's what we did. My family drove home, uh, me and my mom and Ayana, the baby, um, we flew back and started the road to recovery basically and that was in the beginning of October. Like I remember I think I came home like I think I came home like um homecoming game night or something. Mm. Like I wanted to be at the homecoming game but I couldn't cuz like I was flying mm. that night. But um no from there it was that's where the real um like the journey really starts like from back in June. Mm-hmm. But the way, like, I have to live now started when I got back home. Mm -hmm. Like, for the first two, three months, 
it was it was such trial and error like when someone has this type of thing happen or has this type of surgery you're what you can eat after varies between every person like some people after a total gastrectomy can only eat soft food some people do good with dairy some people messed up by dairy like mm-hmm. i had to learn about my whole body again like I basically started out trying, I'd eat something and I'd either throw it up, get super nauseous, or mm-hmm. it would go down. Like I would have to eat it super slow. Mm-hmm. I'd have to take like really small bites. It was just like, I think I was on a liquid diet for the first couple weeks because of they didn't want anything, they didn't want my small intestine having to work hard mm-hmm. while it was still recovering. So that was tough. Like I ended up. I was 165 when I went into the surgery, mm-hmm. and when I got home, I was like 128. Oh, wow. Like, it was insane. Like, right now, um, a few years later, like, I'm 138, I think. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've put, but it's all been muscle more than, like, like, because it's really hard for me mm-hmm. to even retain any fat or, like, yeah. to gain any fat. Like, it's tough. I feel like, but I've gained enough strength to put on a little bit of weight, but I don't think I'll ever get back to... Mm-hmm. 150 160 like just the i don't think the small intestine can expand Mm. over time like that even like even however long i live after this it's still gonna be a process more of maintaining my weight instead Mm. of trying to gain are you able to like work out and stuff now like yeah i mean go full so recently over this past six months i'd say has been really when I've no I felt the most like I have since before like I feel like the best I have now mm-hmm. since everything happened. Okay. So I mean for the first couple years it was really hard. My energy mm-hmm. was always low. I didn't I would try to work like little odd jobs or do little things but I would just end up getting so tired or mm-hmm. not I mean, it was just it was just too much for my body at the time like over like three different times I remember it happened. But um no for the first I went on. I basically I went on home hospital, which is where one teacher comes and like brings you all your assignments. And mm-hmm. I was just recovering, and I had Giles for that. So mm-hmm. Giles is the man. <laughs> so shout out Mr. Giles if he ever hears this. <laughs> but um, no, he brought me all my home hospital stuff and worked with me. And I mean, without him, I probably wouldn't have graduated. Honestly, like mm-hmm. it was, it was one of those times where I was honestly. It was so hard for me to do a lot of my schoolwork because of the way I was feeling or the way, like, mentally, I think mentally it took a bigger toll than physically. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where when you get cancer, when you, when any form of trial you face in life, like, that's real, like, growth right there. Like, I was just a 17-year-old kid that just was living life and didn't have a care in the world. Mm-hmm. And then you get slapped in the face with something so crazy like this that mm-hmm. it's like... I think mentally was where the battle, like physically and mentally, both like the same, like whatever physical challenges I have to go through and surgeries and anything on my body, like there's just as much in the head. And yeah. that's that's probably just as important to talk about, if not more than the physical stuff. But um, yeah, I think going through that, like just the mental, what you're talking about, the, me- the mental thing, like that's one of the most especially being a 17 year old like most challenging thing you can go through honestly so like yeah i think that to have the mental stability is it's crazy yeah i've i put a lot of that on my family too because mm-hmm. i mean if i wasn't if it was just me like i was like 25 26 or i just didn't have a family mm-hmm. like if if the circumstances were different i don't know if i'd be here right now mm-hmm. like i their support and me finding a faith in God mm-hmm. and really being like, okay, with whatever happens to me, I know where I'm going after all this is done. Yeah. I have to do the best I can while I'm here and it, the rest is in God's hands. Mm-hmm. And once I started looking at it like that, I think that gave me the ability to like, to just live life. Like it was my perspective for the first while I feel like was almost in denial a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to believe that everything, like I didn't, it was also crazy to me, also surreal. Like it, I remember for the first while, like I'd try to do things that I did before. I'd try to bench, I'd try to squat and I'd try to, 
do these activities that my body just wasn't ready for mm. and i think that's what got me like initially discouraged or put me in like like i never had anxiety or depression or really any of those um mental illnesses that people have just their whole life like mm. from from anything could be genetic or like i don't know but me i never dealt with any sort of mental problems and when all this arised i mean i started getting anxiety attacks i started feeling just like down like after everything happened i mean there was a good period like a good year probably where i just felt like this it was almost like this super dark vibe where i didn't know what i wanted to do mm-hmm. i didn't know what the next step was i i was just kind of days were going by like i was alive but i wasn't really living mm-hmm. like that's the way i look at it yeah but um no i remember mentally it was like I had to tell myself basically either you do everything you can and keep going and be positive and try to be like an inspiration and motivation mm-hmm. to like other people that are dealing with anything like you I got to look like at all times like I got this mm-hmm. like I didn't want to look like I was sick I didn't want people to feel bad for me it was just like whatever Tomas was going through I, I got it like mm-hmm. it was I tried to flip the switch in my head like that yeah. and it took a long time i mean i honestly wasn't it took a good it until this probably the start of this year this year honestly has been like the most transformative Mm -hmm. of my life like even 2017 2018 19 like dealing with the what i had to go through Mm -hmm. this year has matured me and i feel like grown me the most to where now i'm out working i can work out for myself I'm like I know exactly what I can eat what I can eat like um mm-hmm. I've just got this whole ordeal like situation a little bit better handled but the process of doing that was I don't wish that upon anybody yeah like what happened was I told you a while back like there was like a salt and pepper shaker in my mm-hmm. liver so there was probably 10 or 15 super tiny tumors at the time and they were so small that it was like they're not compromising the function of your liver they're not going to hurt you at this point so mm-hmm. let's just watch them let's just go back every two three four months and do your set of scans blood tests and see how everything's looking basically so we ended up doing that and then on um february of 2018 so the liver um, my left side of my liver at the time in 2018 in February, there was like a mass of about maybe like two, so it was like two golf balls, mm-hmm. like on the left side of my liver and all the other ones were super tiny, but there was this one big mass that was growing like abnormally compared to all the other ones. And there's, there's no surgery for that. I mean, they would have had to do like a liver transplant. Mm-hmm. There was no, you can't go in and just cut open right in the middle of the liver. Mm-hmm. So... We ended up having to do this thing called it's a cert procedure and it's kind of trippy they it's you know when you get a surgery they knock you out like Mm -hmm. you're you're out and then you wake up and so this one they put you in this thing called the twilight state so basically they give me enough meds to where i'm so out of it but i can still like i'm still coherent i can Mm -hmm. still respond to what people are saying like if the doctor's like hey turn this way breathe in for me Mm -hmm. like i can still do it but I haven't, like, I'm just all loopy, basically. And during that procedure, they go in, it's over two weeks, so the first time they go in, and they go in in an artery right next to your, like, right up in my groin, like, the top of my groin. Mm -hmm. And they go, they map out your whole arteries to, like, find exactly where they'll drop in, like, these radioactive beads, like, onto the tumors. Or right into the blood vessel that will stop the flow from there. And um, they go in the first time, they map it out, and they put in, like, these practice beads. And I went back a week later, and they did the procedure again. And it's it's weird. It's basically like I'm sitting there, and I just feel like a constant pulling, tugging. Mm-hmm. But, like, no pain. I'm just kind of... Like, I'm luckily, like, the, those medicine, like, I'm not going to feel anything, mm-hmm. but just like being in that state like for like two three hours like totally with all the team it's like it's a super weird experience there's nothing like it but um i did that and 
was in the hospital, I think, one day and then went home because it was just too little. Like, they, they go in laparoscopically, so it's mm. like there's just two super tiny scars. Like, they don't actually have to cut me open like the first one. And, no, I went back home, and the radiation is in my system for, like, a two-week cycle. So, basically, I got home, and it was – that was, like, another battle. It was, like, feeling that type of, like, what it does in your body. Like, I was – nauseous I felt weaker like I would just be in pain for a good part of the day because I was still recovering from an 11 hour surgery and my body was having all this radiation pumped into my liver Mm. and um I went through that and was able to like with enough strength I was able to go back to high school and graduate and after that point, it was like, okay, I thought I thought for the longest time like I was done. I was mm. like, okay, I beat this. There is the only bit of cancer that's in me is so tiny. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like every hard part that I've gone against, like I've, it's like those stepping stones that mm. like I've just beaten another one. And then if it comes back or anything happens, like I'll just have to buck her down and do it again. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, over the last couple years after that every four to five months we would go back to san diego and do the same three set of scans like mri pt pet scan and then that would show me the stomach the liver like everything going on basically it Mm -hmm. would pinpoint exactly how big those little tumors were getting and um everything with when everything with covid happened i was supposed to go in in March so I was supposed to go down there in March and everything had to be pushed back until the end of June like we just went a few weeks ago I think and um it was me my mom my best friend Chris and we went and basically did the whole thing again but this time um one of the tumors in the liver had regrown to where it was like the size of like one golf ball so the first time I got the procedure done, it was about 12 centimeters. Mm-hmm. And right now there's a tumor that's about six centimeters. So basically I've like just over this last week, I mean, also, I mean, it's, it's a, there's a lot that goes into everything, but it's so tough the way I have to like digest and the way food is like um, basically transported like throughout my body like Mm -hmm. i can't die like i can't take in any iron like Mm -hmm. the only way i can get iron is through like iv infusions so every year since the surgery i go in for about a two-week period and they do five sets of ivs it's like an hour long um just like every few days basically Mm -hmm. to get me back to my levels up on iron because no matter how much meat or spinach or whatever i eat like without the stomach lining, mm-hmm. your body just can't digest any iron or B12. B12 is the vitamin mm-hmm. that gives you all the energy. So I mean, once a month, I go in and I get a B12 shot and that keeps my levels at a normal human. And then um, every year, like there's a, like your iron, I'm not like anemic technically, like my hemoglobin, the oxygen in my blood is still really good. Mm-hmm. But you like having a you have like a storage of iron in you and it's like this number it goes to like 36 or whatever and like every year it's like exactly a year mine will go from like full down to like five like mm-hmm. i do my body just can't retain it or can't get enough to keep it full yeah and um no so i've i've been doing that and then over these last couple so i got the iron infusions done a few weeks like i just finished like last week the last one and just got everything scheduled for like mid-August to do the second, I got a, for the second round of radiation basically. Mm -hmm. And the first round when they did it, it totally killed the, I mean that mass of like twice what's in there right now, it Mm -hmm. totally killed it. And it's gonna be better this time around I feel like just because my body's more adapted to the way everything has to work now. Mm And they're not going to be putting as much radiation because they had to put a lot in to kill a tumor that size. Like now, my body's stronger. I feel mentally better to like take on anything. And the radiation inside me is going to be less. So, I mean, I just got to knock this out of the park. Mm -hmm. I mean, go through this again. Just take it 
take it really like easy for a good month like try to let my body get back to the point where I am now <laughs> where I feel healthy and strong and then then get back to work then get back to what I'm doing but I mean there still is those eight nine or ten really small tumors that I'm just gonna have to watch and I mean I don't know how long it's gonna go on for like a lot of everything's unknown it's just kind of mm-hmm. like have faith keep living mm-hmm. and then when things arise you just got to handle them the best you can or the best you and the people around you can like it's it's tough I mean initially when I mean me and Chris and my mom were just down in San Diego and hearing this like I broke down like mm-hmm. I had a really this year has been tough for me like mentally but that's why I say I've grown so much because pain and trauma and going through shit like that I mean it builds like a special type of person I feel like like God puts these tests in front of people I mean and sometimes they're they're so overwhelming and then sometimes a miracle happens and people come out of it on the other end and it's like how and that's that's where that's where my faith comes in like whatever how bad anything gets Mm -hmm. or how like the odds may be stacked against me like it was like i don't think i could have like god had to be in the room with Mm -hmm. me on that operating table for 11 and a half hours for me to be alive right now i mean that's just the way i i don't and i don't push that on anyone Mm -hmm. i don't i mean people can believe whatever they believe i respect and love everyone regardless Mm -hmm. of any of that but i mean me personally having that faith like I have to have it to like to really go on I mean Mm -hmm. if I didn't have any sort of anything to hold on to or any um belief system or any um just morals I feel like for anyone I would just be kind of lost or I'd just be going through the motions and wouldn't really know how to react to the way I did but um where should we go after this so basically I gotta I just gotta do this again and then go back every few months get the test done and then if the cancer grows it grows but if it stays stable I mean I just keep doing my thing it's mm-hmm. it's crazy my, my life now is so different than it was before but it's mm-hmm. all been it's honestly all been a, a weird blessing in disguise in mm-hmm. a way like I grew up so much, I've learned so much. The people I've gotten to meet and like the kids I've met and talked to and the people that I've been able to tell my story to and just have them cry right in front of me. Or like mm-hmm. it's those type of feelings that I wouldn't change or anything. Like I enjoy doing stuff like this or when everything first happened, I did like three or four different talks at like a couple churches where it was like a few hundred people here, like maybe like a thousand at one place, but mm-hmm. it just that initial like feeling that you get or people coming up to you after or like just wanting to shake your hand or pray for you on that spot mm-hmm. like it was a beautiful thing god worked like god really turned a crazy negative situation mm-hmm. that looked like it was all bad at the start mm-hmm. and through that and i mean my family i've just tried to flip it into something positive like i've I haven't, I've tried to not let this situation and me being diagnosed with stage four cancer, like everything that it entails, I tried not to let it get me like, yeah, I was in a depressed state for a little, or I had my mood swings or like that happens to everyone. But Mm -hmm. I tried really hard to not let this like beat me mentally. Like I knew that I had to live my life and be positive for everyone else like if I looked like I was going through it I mean Mm -hmm. that just discourages all my family like it was really I didn't a lot of it wasn't for me like I had I had so many people checking in or or loving me during that period I felt like I had to do everything I was doing I was Mm -hmm. like you either die or you become a badass and beat this like you have to like there was two there was two choices and I and I picked the one and I've been battling ever since, and yeah. and here we are now. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, all of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the it's a really uh, you know, I get I don't really get teary eyed a lot, but <laughs> I got a little bit. No, I, uh, I get it. No, I mean it's inspiration, honestly. Like you know, as much as you don't want anyone to go through that, but 
it seems like, you know, you've kept a positive mind and, you know, you're able to turn this into telling your story and inspiring the ones who aren't as strong as you going through certain things and help them go through it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goal, to be honest, when all of this is said and done is I want to write my book. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. I'll say I'll say it like first time now to where in 10 years when I look back and listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. I can hold myself accountable mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, Tomas, <laughs> Like, yeah. it'll be good. I'll need that. But, yeah, um, no, I want to tell the whole entire story of basically my life mm-hmm. and dive in, like, re- go back and relive the way it felt. And I want to tell the story in, like, like a David Goggins story mm-hmm. or, like, like, a, like, one of those super inspirational books that just mm-hmm. switches something in someone's mind. Yeah, like affects someone, motivates them. Yeah, someone. like, if I could, if me writing my book and telling my story saves one person's life, mm-hmm. it's worth it a hundred times over again. Yeah, like absolutely that's what it's all about and once i learn that and once you realize like hey this isn't about you like what happened to you can change and like your testimony your story like once i started looking at it like that like hey you have a platform now you have a little bit of a following you people understand a little bit of a glimpse into what happened if mm-hmm. you can turn that into something to where people can latch onto it or have like for me to be a source of hope for people that's the ultimate i couldn't you can't really ask for anything else i Mm -hmm. mean to go down or to leave like an impact like like literally when we played football and your dad's slogan was leave a legacy Mm -hmm. like it's crazy how that comes full circle because that's all i want to do now like when it's all said and done and i'm gone from this world i would love to have that book always be here like for generations to come anyone could know what happened to me and feel inspired like that's the ultimate goal out of all of it and i mean and i'd love to do podcasts with this like like Mm -hmm. what you're doing i mean travel around tell people Mm -hmm. like have these types of conversations yeah absolutely i mean i think it'd be awesome i think what i've gone through and the way i can articulate it or make it a little easy to understand i think it can add some sort of value or put some sort of fire inside of someone Mm -hmm. like if you're going through anything i mean that's what i try to put onto my family or put on like my little siblings like when i hear people complaining about super tiny things or like like (laughs) it's that type of thing where in the back of my mind i'm like i want to say something but i'm just like oh it's okay like Mm -hmm. these people just haven't been faced with something to where Mm -hmm. that little thing doesn't bother them anymore (laughs) yeah like my whole perspective switched on Mm -hmm. everything like the way I like it's like I was so upset for the longest time like I just I was mad at the world Mm -hmm. at everything going on I didn't know why everything was happening to me and I didn't really know how to express my emotions and dealing with everything this year I mean I had a bad breakup in January Mm -hmm. like it was my first serious relationship Mm -hmm. with a girl And, man, I loved her with everything. I mean, it was like one of those things where I had gone through so much and I had felt like nothing but pain Mm -hmm. over, like, three years. And then out of nowhere, something, like, beautiful, perfect comes into my life. And I thought it was... I just ran with it. And um, going through that and, like, actually feeling, like, heartbreak and, like, Mm -hmm. having... Like, it was the first person I really lost in my life. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't... I've never really lost a very close relative. Or I mean, when we lost Justin and Tyler our mm-hmm. senior year, I mean, I knew Tyler and played football with him, and I always loved Tyler, mm-hmm. but it was never what that relationship like you guys had. Mm-hmm. Or I wasn't one of his best friends to where it hurt me so deeply like mm-hmm. that. Like, w- feeling that initial loss from her um, really grew, I feel like, was the pivotal turning point to grow me into the person I am like right now like like I say like this year has been the biggest growth wise for Mm -hmm. me it all started with that right at the beginning of the year I mean before COVID hit before anything happened losing someone like that and then feeling like kind of being broken down to my core like being in my most vulnerable state and then from there being like okay get back into your faith I mean do something for yourself like that it was at that point it was at that moment when i just said like like f it almost like i'm gonna 
grind. Like mm-hmm. I've I've I lost something that I really cared about. I can't get it back. I have to do this for myself now. Like for the longest time I was doing things for her and I neglected mm-hmm. my body or neglected the way I was feeling like just to for the other person. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, that wasn't healthy, but I was just young and didn't know any better. Yeah. And um, now, I mean, it's just been really, I think working out and staying active was the biggest thing for me. Like I started going on runs and I hadn't ran, like I never ran after the surgery. Like mm-hmm. I would do a little activity and then I'd get exhausted and go sit down. But like I started... I put in my headphones and I just ran one day and I remember listening to my favorite songs and I was like almost crying on a run. Like I, <laughs> I was like so messed up, like yeah. just emotionally. But the way I felt after, like that initial release, it was like a therapy session almost. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's a huge thing why people, why anyone works out or if you can be so focused on that thing for one to two hours or however long you're going to do it and escape the way you're feeling or do something good for your body like physically and mentally mm-hmm. you're gonna grow so much as a person like i have people that don't incorporate some sort of physical activity i just really hope that they can find that one day because that's the that was probably the main thing in my family and i mean i talked to a therapist too for like a good month until covid really hit to where i couldn't go see her mm-hmm. but um no working out and getting back into the bible and Um, rekindling my relationships with like my two best friends in the world I mean Mm -hmm. whenever like 2019 was a year where I kind of like I just fell in love and went with this girl and kind of neglected like like I don't know if it's ever happened to you to that point where like you almost forget about everything else going on Mm -hmm. or like weeks go by where you haven't texted your friends and it's just like I felt horrible and when everything happened I rekindled my relationship with Chris and Quentin, my two mm-hmm. best friends in the world. And Q lives right down the road, and Chris is right up in Grass Valley. So, mm-hmm. I mean, anytime I need to see them, I can. And, man, I'm so thankful for the two of them mm-hmm. in my life, too, because that's probably the biggest thing besides family and working out was rekindling that and, like, being able to sit down and talk with my boys about the way I'm feeling and express my emotions and tell them that what I was going through I mean and knowing that we'll always be there for each other and Mm -hmm. like that love didn't go anywhere for the five six months that I didn't talk to them it was like because I didn't know I was like man I I was like an asshole I I haven't talked to these guys in a while Mm -hmm. like I really hope they can just take me back in and love me because I need it right now I Mm -hmm. I felt like broken at one point and that like them our relationship this past six months or seven months now has been incredible like the things we've done the way the conversations we can have now it's been it's really been a beautiful thing that's why i say like everything is kind of a blessing in disguise like yeah. everything happens for a reason and if you can find something positive out of like the cancer finding people to talk to and finding like Man, I would go and I remember I, I met like two or three kids with cancer and I went and me and, um, do you know the band Papa Roach? Or they, yeah. they, they yeah. sang like that song mm-hmm. Last Resort and shit. So yeah. the lead singer, Jacoby, he okay. lives in Sacramento. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and my grandpa was big at this church in Sacramento. I think it's Bayside. Bayside. Yeah, yeah, one of the, the big white Yeah, one. the big one in Grand Bay. But um, Jacoby goes there and like has performed there and all this type mm-hmm. of stuff. So me and him went and met a couple kids that were dealing with cancer and it was like the leukemia kind where they were bald and they were just really going through it and Mm. on chemo and doing that like ever since I did that with him I felt like I knew kind of what all this was about I was Mm. like okay when this happened to me it was for such a bigger reason it wasn't for me just to get sick and then live and then go back to live a normal life Mm. it was for me to go through this trial and then share it like I am now or write it down or 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 tell people like it it wasn't about myself like I am on a mission now I feel like to impact as as many lives as I can with what's happened like I want to I really want to talk and like the ultimate goal would be to 
talk in front of a church or in front of a big group of like thousands of people mm-hmm. or, or release the book and have it go crazy just mm-hmm. and the story yeah, help people. I mean, that's the ultimate goal behind it all. But this year has been the biggest growth wise. Mm-hmm. Like I've over the last, like I, like I work now, I just started working the past few weeks doing this thing called Instacart. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know what it is, yeah. but it's basically I basically shop for people like um, like an order will come in and I'll go to the grocery store, get their whole thing and deliver it to their house. And I mean, I low key enjoy it because I'm by myself. I'm listening to my music. I can listen to motivation. I can listen to podcasts. I'm mm-hmm. driving around doing whatever like you when you were delivery driving, mm-hmm. like you probably feel that same way, like yeah. working alone or kind of working at my own pace, like mm-hmm. having that freedom to like if I want, go get myself something to eat or like not yeah. being on a set schedule, just like mm. being when I work, I can work. Yeah. It's a lot better for my body because like I said, I worked like a couple, I worked like two or three different busser or server jobs to try to make money or like get myself back, like to feel like I was normal almost, but my body just couldn't do it or I was never as prepared or I just wasn't ready, I think physically and mentally wise to like dive into something like that Mm -hmm. and over the past month diving into this and just being able to save and I mean feel like I'm like doing something it's that's been another mental thing too because when you're not working or when you feel like like when you're not working and there's nothing else going on like you're looking for work you feel more down in a way I feel like like Mm -hmm. you feel like you're like okay there's more I could be doing or you just know that in the back of your mm. mind and I just felt like I wasn't doing enough so I put myself out there and it's been working out pretty well I've I'm honestly so happy with the way like how much energy my body has now like after mm-hmm. getting the iron after getting my b12s every month like it's honestly a miracle that I can run and work out mm-hmm. and bench and squat and I can do all the lifts and the things I could before now mm-hmm just a lot lighter and at my own pace and mm-hmm. try to but I stay active like that's yeah. that's the big thing like for the for a while I was just laying in bed or I was didn't know what I was doing or I wouldn't leave the house or I just wasn't talking to many people and I mean it messed with my mind for a while and mm-hmm. when all this happened in January I made like that initial switch to really get my shit in gear yeah. and go absolutely I mean this is this is awesome uh didn't hear. No, it's my first time really <laughs> telling or like mm. like being able to come back and like listen to this and hear how I sound mm-hmm. when I tell the story or hear from other people's perspective. Like I've never, I just tell this or I just talk. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't been able to, I've never done something like this. So I mean, yeah. thank you to you yeah. and thank you. Like I think it's awesome. I think it's cool what you're doing. Like mm-hmm. you should, you could get anyone on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to. <laughs> It doesn't have to be someone with a crazy, wild story like this. I mm. mean, just you having Dom or Ethan or um, Reed, mm-hmm. I think it's sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. It's fun. Um, so I want to do, since you're a new guest, we do our new guest questions, which are just kind of goofy and uh, huh. odd questions. But it's like your first first initial thought. You just say it. like Because it's like those type of questions. Uh, okay. First word pops in my head. All right. So, if you can time travel to one event in history, where are you going? Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, that's... That's a tough one. I've seen that question asked on podcasts, mm. and I've never even answered it myself. Like, I've, I've always just watched <laughs> what the people say. I'm mm. like, oh, what's their answer? Honestly, I feel like I would go back in time and... Uh, um, like, if I could be my age right now, you're saying, and I could, like, just witness yeah, the you, event. Yeah, right now you just go and watch something. Happen. I think I'd go meet my grandma, nice. to be honest. I mean, my dad's mom, um, she passed away when I was three months old, and I only met her one time. And it was, like, really tragic how she passed away. It was, like, a crazy accident. Her and her sister both died. Mm-hmm. Like, my my dad's mom and aunt. And... I was three months old, and I have this one picture of me, like the one picture taken of me and my grandma, Mm -hmm. and it's just hanging up in my room, and I'm like, I never really got to meet, or like, I hear all these stories, you hear like, the type of person she was, and it's like, man, I never, 
initially that would be the first thing like if i could be my age right now and go back and have a conversation or meet her because mm. i know i'm going to one day in heaven but yeah. like i think that'd be beautiful like all the other cool shit that's happened like all the wars and stuff i'm good <laughs> yeah. i'll go see grandma yeah. <laughs> that's awesome uh, all right second question the towel in your bathroom how long has it been there I have like three, <laughs> but um, no, I think there's one that's like different colors that's for show that just sits there. It's probably okay. been there for like weeks, <laughs> and I have two blue ones that like I'll always use and go through, but yeah, no, my, mine's been in there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. I've never heard that. <laughs> All right, so number three, which would you choose? Starting your life over at age six with the knowledge you have now or fast forward 20 years with the knowledge you have now? Oh, that's easy. I feel like you got to start over at yeah. 6. <laughs> if you go forward 20 years with the knowledge you have now, you're going to be behind because... No, yeah, then I'm... Then I'm <laughs> it's going to be like the, being a six-year-old. Yeah, then I'm 40. The then I'm 40 and, I, yeah. and I'm immature as hell. <laughs> no, I'd rather be six and be like a god. Oh, like yeah, a genius. definitely. Be smart and everything. Number four, what would you rather have? Consistent bad breath or consistent body odor? Oh, my. No, bad breath because the mask now, dude. You're good. Oh yeah, <laughs> quarantine mask. With the nah, I've yeah. Honestly, I feel like bad breath though because I feel like people can like you can hide that a little better. Yeah, there's definitely ways of like talking lower, mm. just like being <laughs> yeah. more self conscious. Body odors, yeah. no fun. Um, rate yourself. Rate yourself on a scale of one to ten, overall. Um, what would you give yourself? Shit, dude. I try to stay humble and keep humility. I mean, like, I'm not going to toot my own horn or anything, but, like, (laughs) I honestly feel like the mental side, like, if I'm going to do mental, Mm -hmm. I'm, like, a 9 or a 10. Mm -hmm. But, like, physical appearance, I'll probably, I'm, like, an 8. I'll give myself an 8. I'll, that's a B. I usually give myself, like, an 8-4. That's a B. (laughs) 8-4. Yeah, yeah, B+. I'll give myself (laughs) All right. Three items you're going to bring with you on an island that you're going to be on for 30 years. Mm. Um, I'll bring like a journal and a pencil like if that could be one item Mm -hmm. and then I'd probably bring a Rubik's Cube (laughs) take you 30 years to figure it out (laughs) no I know how to solve it yeah I learned when I was in like 7th grade and it's one of those things where like your muscle memory you just like Mm. always remember it so I feel like that would pass a lot of time but (laughs) I mean, you wouldn't have any cell service. My phone wouldn't do any good. I'd probably... I'd have to bring a girl. That's the only... <laughs> I'd, like if, I'd have to bring someone. I I'd mean, bring, I can't I'd be alone a, for a that A girl, one. a Rubik's Cube, I'd teach her. <laughs> and then and then we could write, and I'd yeah. finish my book, and someone would pick yeah. me up when I'm done. <laughs> All right, number seven. Your go-to gas station snack on a, and drink on a long road trip. Oh, boy. We just did this on the road trip. We went and... Got a snack and um, I think drink. I'm gonna go with either a mint yerba mate or one of those zero calorie monsters. Right. I like the white ones. Mm-hmm. And then snack. Oh my gosh, that's so tough. <laughs> I don't really eat like bad. Like I don't really mm. eat snacks like that. Like I, like my diet now has got to be super clean. Yeah. Like I can't do any dairy. I can't do. Like, a lot of gluten messes with me. Like, mm-hmm. super sugars mess me up. Like, so, I eat pretty clean. But if I'm going to cheat, I feel like I would do Funyuns. No. <laughs> I'd pick Funyuns. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. Simple one. Are you happy today? I am. I feel like the people around me and everything I got going, regardless of what I have to go through this next couple months, like, personally, mentally, I feel good like i'm still like i'm not gonna lie i still think about that girl every Mm. day and i still have my times where the emotions get the better of me or i shed a tear or things happen but Mm -hmm. i mean i've grown so much from it that i i thank her so much Mm -hmm. i mean when everything first happened i would have been so like oh this is miss like just crying like in that state of like denial and now that i've had all this time to learn from it I would just like I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the main I feel I feel good. I have a loving family. I have three or four really close friends that I can go to for anything. I mean, I have a job now that pays well, and I can pay for my own stuff. And 
I can just live life and do stuff like this. And I write every night and try to slowly get the book coming along. But I mean, the past couple months, it's been more of like just a journal Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like. Like, I started off writing in it to really express the way I'm feeling or like kind of as a therapy session almost. Like when I'm done writing about the way I feel, I feel better. So, I mean started off doing that and then over the last couple weeks I'd say I started writing down parts of the story so I mean I know it's going to take me a couple years or Mm -hmm. a lot of time to really get it to the point where it's like a full book ready to be released but I mean right now I'm happy I mean I know there's a lot more I could be doing or things could be better but Mm -hmm. that's you got to always be striving towards something like you always got to where you're at now like I don't ever want to be complacent I feel Mm -hmm. like I have I'm that type of person that has like a lot of dreams and ambitions where even if things are going good I'm like all right there's more I could be doing or it could be going better but right now with everything going on I am happy I mean to answer your question is simple I love life I love my friends family God I just try to stay positive and live that's what you got to do awesome um where can they find you i want to plug your instagram Twitter, uh yeah whatever. for anyone listening you, uh, my instagram is one so the number one and then tomaso one and i mean i think that's about it i mean i use twitter but it's not really for my story mm. i mean my instagram is going to be the main spot to where i'll post updates or just that's where i have the most followers to where people like the initial amount that i got after everything happened mm. like when i when everything first happened, like I got in with like two or three different brands or nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. that helped me out, my family going through everything, nice. and they were able to like kind of promote my story in a way. Mm-hmm. And now that I have a good enough following to where a couple thousand or a few thousand people are going to see every time I post something, to where yeah, Instagram's the main one. So one Tomaso one, and anyone listening can kind of just go through life with me a little bit or see a little bit more of how crazy it is. <laughs> um, guys, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JJ underscore man underscore 20. And, yes, uh, follow the show with Jay. Yeah, follow the follow. show underscore with Jay on Instagram. Uh, shows come out every Monday. And uh, Tomasa, thanks for coming on. It was yeah, fun. of course. It was awesome my episode. pleasure, brother. My pleasure. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. All right.